We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. All right, babe, here we are back again. Welcome back to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valentins, everybody. We are here on a Wednesday morning to talk about some really important concepts. It's just going to be a shorter podcast today, just Jay and I, and actually we're going to talk about a a topic that we're both really passionate about, which is healthy communication and conflict resolution in the context of um, fostering healthy connections. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I saw this quote the other day and I thought, I mean, I just thought it was awesome and, and really true. And so I, I just wanted to start here and then we're going to dive into it a bit, but the quote is relationships don't fail because people fall out of love. They fail because of a loss of connection. And we know that that's true, right? Like the world would have this idea and people would say, I don't know, our marriage just ended or relationship ended because, you know, we just fell out of love or we just grew apart. And the, and the truth is like, you don't fall into love and you don't fall out of love. You get to a place in your relationship where you get hurt over and over again, or it's not working because you're never connected. And when you're living in a relationship full of disconnection, you know, everything else seems better. The grass mm-hmm. seems greener. And, and it's not easy to foster deep connection with somebody over the years. It's really easy to get into a relationship and let the hard things of life erode and tear down uh, your connection, especially without knowing that, man, our connection is, is slowly deteriorating. And so I do, I think that, I think that how we engage in conflict, how we engage in communication, how we handle the tough things of life matters so much that if we, if I think if people understood that, yeah, this concept that they could take a look at their life and really evaluate, like, how are we doing inside of conflict? And um, so. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, we say all the time that communication is the lifeblood of connection. And communication skills are skills that a lot of people have to work really hard at sharpening over the years as you become an adult, because most people weren't actually taught really healthy, helpful communication styles Mm -hmm. when they were young. You just kind of do what you saw your parents do, or you do what gets you the results that you need. And when you're young and you're not actually consciously aiming yourself at building connection in your relationships, you're actually most concerned about yourself in an appropriate way. Like when you're really young, you're concerned most about yourself. So you'll communicate however you need to communicate to get what you need. And then when you get older, you realize, oh wow, those mechanisms either did or didn't work for me in regards to actually building connection inside my relationships, whether it's friendship or relationships with family members, or maybe you're in a dating relationship, or maybe you're married and you're discovering like, 
okay, there's a breakdown here. Like something's not working. We know that communication is the lifeblood of your connection. So, you know, I think we want to strip away some of the mystery around why relationships fail, whether it's like a dating relationship or a marriage Mm -hmm. or even I'm thinking of even parent child relationships, like adults who have strained relationships with parents because there's so much conflict and they're not speaking the same language when it comes to communication or nobody ever feels really understood or valued. And so I think there's some mystery sometimes around like why relationships suffer inside of communication and conflict. But like Jay said at the beginning, I think people don't just fall out of love. You Over time, your connection wears down. So if we want to talk about how to proactively like bolster up connection so that you don't just find yourself mysteriously, quote, fallen out of love mm-hmm. down the road um, or, you know, in those kinds of relationships that just feel impossible, then there's a lot of things we can aim ourselves at, a lot of, a lot of tools we can aim ourselves at sharpening that really make connection possible, even inside of conflict, because we know that conflict is just a part of two people trying to have a meaningful connection. It's going to happen. Um, and so along those lines, what we're going to talk about today, actually, it kind of feels, it might seem like a, like anti what we're trying to go after here. Cause what we're saying is you have to be able to build connection inside of, of communication and even inside of conflict in order to do well. What we're going to talk about today is some of the behavior that people engage in inside of conflict that does the opposite, actually Mm -hmm. breaks down connection. Um, Because we know that conflict itself, like we always say, conflict itself isn't what destroys a relationship. It's actually your behavior inside the conflict. So today, you guys, we're actually going to talk about something. It's not our concept. Um, I'll let you explain the Gottman Institute, babe. But basically, Dr. John Gottman is the one who we got this content from. And he talks about four specific types of behavior inside of conflict that destroy connection. So we'll tell you a little bit about him and what he does. We've mentioned him before on the podcast, but babe, do you want to kind of explain the Gottman Institute? Yeah. I mean, the Gottman Institute is, they're pretty incredible. They're like the foremost, you know, uh, researchers, yeah, researchers on marriage and relationships. And so they spent so much time building out this, what they call a love lab, um, uh, you know, like 30 years ago, 20, 25, 30 years ago, where they'd put couples in a, um, laboratory, uh, laboratory that basically looked like, um, like a home environment, but they have them monitored. And so they watched them, connect, they watch them argue, they watch them just do normal life. And from there, they were able to actually begin to determine what things really break relationship, what things really build. And his kind of famous thing is that he can predict divorce with like 90% accuracy after three minutes of watching couples uh, connect and, and argue and fight and what they do. And so the four horsemen is, is ba- he basically says the four horsemen are what what he predicts divorce based upon and the so, behavior inside of conflict that he uses to predict yeah. the mm-hmm. viability of a marriage. Yeah. So he's, he's basically going like, Hey, if, if, 
Yeah, the, the better you are at eradicating these poor behaviors, the more connected, uh, the healthier, the happier life you have. And so mm-hmm. we, are, we just find it so helpful to talk through and really pinpoint like, what are those behaviors that are eroding relationship because you have to take ownership for them? Because honestly, there are a lot of bad habits, just a bunch of really bad habits that people bring in from, you know, growing up in a home where this was happening a lot or whatever. And so being able to, to just dive in and, and take a look at what do I do when I'm in conflict? Yeah. Do you want to start with the first one, babe? Yeah. Um, this list of four is, is kind of like the what not to do in conflict mm-hmm. list. And the first one's criticism. Can I, I'm just going to list them all off and then yeah. we can go back. So they're criticism, defensiveness, contempt and stonewalling. And, you know, if we're teaching this, if we're teaching on conflict to pre-married couples or even couples that have been married for a a short time um, or, or couples who are dating, like these, if these are showing up early on in your relationship, holy smokes, red flag, like stop, stop right now. Stop the bus. You've got some serious, like, reevaluation to do because if you're in a relationship where there's loads of criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling at the very beginning, like eject, (laughs) um, you know, of course dating or marriage, if this is family or whatever, then again, like huge red flags, you're, you're not going to get very far. Yeah. So most of these, uh, really bad habits would show up over time. Like this, it would take time to get to a place where we're so bad at engaging in good resolution when it comes to conflict that these are, it's like we're grasping for any attempt at feeling powerful in our conflict with each other. We're like, we're, we've gotten so far down the road of bad communication skills that we're at this place of mm-hmm. criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. Um, But as we kind of describe what each of these look like, you might find yourself like, wow, in a certain mood, I actually do do that thing. Even though I would say, even for you and I, babe, like I feel like we have pretty good communication and conflict resolution Mm -hmm. skills in marriage. On a bad day, I can totally slip into criticism. And, And I rely on you to be like, whoa, that feels really critical. Let's back up the train and try that again because that's actually not our standard. Yeah. Um, so anyways, again, that, that's just more context. But again, the first one would be criticism. So criticism, um, the Gottman Institute would define as, or Webster's Dictionary, would define as like dealing with problems through harsh, blaming, or hurtful expressions of judgment or dispro- disapproval. So inside of that kind of, communication, the focus is on like perceived personal flaws in the other person rather than changeable behaviors. And, um, an example of this would be like, you know, Jason comes in the door from work, wears his muddy boots into my kitchen, our kitchen, (laughs) (laughs) But the critical person calls it yeah, my, kitchen, my kitchen, you know, um, Jason wears his muddy boots into my kitchen and I go, oh, wow. Okay. Mud all over your boots. You are such a slob. Like, mm-hmm. thanks a lot for bringing your muddy boots into the house. You always do that. That's just such like, it's just loaded with criticism, 
judgment. We're going to be fighting. Yeah, we are not going to be okay if I say something like that when he walks through the door. But if we're honest, you know, especially over years of poor communication habits and not feeling heard from one another, feeling, uh, believing that the communication in your marriage will go nowhere, Mm -hmm. you resort to things like being super critical, attacking your partner's character instead of focusing on the behavior or the feelings involved. Shaming them. Yeah. Oof. Ouch. Um, okay. The next one, defensiveness. So, and def- I'll say like, yeah, criticism is also is often met with defensiveness. Oh yeah. So like, if I come at you with loads of criticism, yeah. it wouldn't be uncommon to find yourself then also engaging in the second yeah. of the four horsemen, which oh, would be 100%. defensiveness. Yeah. Um, in really all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so defensiveness, right? Deflecting responsibility for your own mistakes and behaviors or refusing to accept feedback, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be like making excuses, uh, for your behavior or shifting blame to yeah. your partner, you know? So defensiveness, it like com- completely, um, takes you, it, it takes away all personal responsibility. And when somebody begins to get defensive, it's like there's no resolve. There's there's no ownership. There's no ability to to reconcile because well, how do you reconcile when there is no actual ownership? Yeah. And so, defensiveness defensiveness can sound like this isn't my fault. You know, um, whatever. You're the one that yelled at me first, or yeah. Um, Anytime you go, you're the one that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just you know. You're late, not me, right? Like it's yeah. not my fault. I yelled. You're the you're the one that that started blaming me, and, and yeah, you know, you're the cause of my anger, mm-hmm. or you're the cause of of my pain. Ultimately, it feels pretty victimy. Often, defensiveness yeah. can feel really victimy, uh-huh. or um, yeah, like you're trying to put blame back on the other person for whatever you did. Yeah. And it's really helpful to think through like, okay, when you get into, as we're reading these, like, how do you engage in conflict mm-hmm. and think through too, not just your spouse, but mm-hmm. it's also really helpful, like with your boss or even your kids. Like we've talked about this a lot. Oh, yeah. A lot of these show up with our kids way more than they even do with our spouse. They do for me big time. And we were actually teaching this the other day in our marriage intensive and, or we were talking about conflict and, um, I actually said, you know, Jason and I, we have relatively good communication skills and conflict resolution skills. We do a good job. We're very different. We've had to bridge a lot of gaps between each other, but we've gotten to a place where I, I believe about our marriage that communication is a strength. And Mm. one of the, the, one of the ways, you know, you believe that communication is a strong suit for you in whatever relationship you're in is you feel powerful in that relationship. Conversely, like in any relationship where you find yourself feeling really powerless, chances are you don't believe a lot of healthy identity statements about that relationship. And I noticed for myself, Jay and I are way past the four horsemen in marriage most of the time. But where I saw myself grabbing for these really poor, really immature communication tactics was in my relationships with our older kids mm-hmm. when they were teenagers. And, I, and the reason is, is because if you've ever raised teenagers or Lordy, been around a teenager before, 
you know that you can tend to feel, feel powerless sometimes in those relationships. Yeah. Like it's interesting having a child who is maturing and growing up and trying to become their own independent person, but you're the parent in the house and you still have needs and you're trying to raise this kid, although they are, you know, maybe they're even 18 years old, an adult on paper, but you've still, you know, you're still in my house and we're still working this out together. Well, I discovered that, that I could, I tend to feel really powerless sometimes in that dynamic. And I noticed as we were learning about the four horsemen initially, whoa, especially the third one, mm-hmm. which is contempt. I started feeling contempt in my communication with, um, a couple of our kids at different times. And I'd watch myself slip into this, like really these bad habits. So contempt is kind of expressing your disdain or your disapproval through like sarcasm or cynicism, the rolling of the eyes. Like I will tell you, (laughs) I can remember that was mine. I can remember being, you know, whatever. It was probably over one of the boys cleaning their room or, gosh, they've forgotten after the fifth time of me reminding them like you were supposed to take the trash out or something like that. And I found I would find myself feeling so powerless in my communication that I would resort to this contempt like this, ugh, well, of course, the eye rolls and the, it's like, it's criticism on steroids. Yeah. It's like it, I'm feeling so critical of this person right now that I'm actually showing it, trying to show it. I feel so powerless to change them or to get my needs met through my communication that now I'm just going to like be sarcastic, roll my eyes. It's basically like a big fat disapproval message. Yeah. And it's a bad tactic. It is. And it does not foster connection. So I had to really catch myself and get better at, okay, we are not you know, when it gets bad, like you're resorting to put downs and insults, you're acting superior to your partner or whoever you're in this relationship with. Maybe you're finding yourself like using mocking or sarcastic tones. Those are just, that is a bad plan. And Gottman would say it's the single greatest predictor of divorce. When you get to the spot in your marriage where your contempt, your contempt for one another shows up, oof, like you're really pretty far down the road of, of, um, breakdown. And it's not to say you can't repair, right? There's absolutely repair possible, but you got to watch it when you start engaging in those behaviors because it's really like poison to connection. Yeah, it's true. Okay. The fourth one, babe. Fourth one is stonewalling, which this would be my go-to, uh, because it feels, um, you feel more, more powerful without, you feel like you're doing something that is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Basically, stonewalling is emotionally withdrawing, shutting down, mm-hmm. or going silent during important discussions or whatever, or uh, during during the actual conversation. Um, it's a response to feeling overwhelmed and right. or hurt. Right. So what would happen is we would get into conflict. I would get my feelings hurt, and then I would just boom. You can't touch me anymore. Yeah, I'm not going silent. Yeah, I'm going silent and I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to punish you. Yeah, I was going to say it feels like punishment uh to the other person. Yeah, but it it can appear as a boundary, right? Yeah, but really, really what's happening is I'm I'm going inside of myself. And so, you know, the, the challenge with stonewalling obviously is 
it's just leads to a whole bunch of unresolved pain and unresolved conversations. And uh, I'm no longer in the conversation. I'm, I've left, I've, I'm emotionally absent from right. you. And so ends up in just a ton of disconnection yeah. and pain. So, yeah. Interestingly, even as I'm looking at them now, I feel like the person who's prone to criticism might also be prone to contempt while yeah. the person prone to being defensive could also be prone to stonewalling. Yeah. Those seem to go, go hand true. in hand a little bit. Um, and then also we've talked before about how generally men are more prone to stonewalling. And I think that yep. that has to do with just naturally the way that we're created. Women have a tendency to use more words to flood, to flood whoever they're in a communication or conflict with, with just a lot of words and men just have a lower tolerance generally for that kind of flooding feeling. So to stonewall and to shut down and to tune out and to disappear. It's not that women don't use that tactic, but I, I would say even in relationships that I know, like I, most of the relationships that I know, that would be the dynamic in yeah. a marriage, especially. Yeah. hundred percent for sure. Um, so, you know, like obviously if we're going over these and you're like, holy smokes, we have these, like you have to first break that agreement, right? You have to go, you have to go back to, I'm using this as a tool to try to get my need met. Right. And I'm no longer going to use it. I'm going to call myself out and reset the standard. We talk a lot about that in our marriage intensive in like actually going back and resetting the standard in your marriage, which means to take ownership. It means to make amends, apologize, recognize when you use it and make a better plan, like actually make a really good plan and practice that plan. Yeah. Right. So that when you're in the middle of conflict and you're starting to feel yourself, whatever, getting upset, getting frustrated, that you'd resort back to, OK, how do I want this to end? How do I want them to feel? Where do I want our relationship to go? And you're able to uh, thoughtfully, consciously navigate your way through conflict and yeah. build connection, because we know that our conflicts should lead to connection should lead to closeness. And so I really do. I think if people worked hard at recognizing and pinpointing and repenting from their bad behaviors inside a conflict, man, we're all going to go through hard things. Right. You know, we just got some bad news today. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a frustration, right? Like yeah. everyone, everyone at certain points of life are going to go through things that are challenging. Yep how we navigate those challenges really decides whether we're connected or disconnected. Right. And trying to go through marriage and solve hard problems disconnected is so painful. Right. It's impossible. And so, yeah, I think being a steward of your relationship means taking ownership for these, these areas of your life. Yeah. It's really good. You got anything else, babe? No, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. I think um, this is just such an important topic that um, we'll probably circle back. I mean, you know, we talk about different sorts of communication skills, things pertaining to healthy communication often, but this feels like one of those that's just, um, you know, pay attention even if, if you're in a dating relationship or, you know, you're early on in a relationship and you're kind of asking those really appropriate questions for whatever stage of the relationship you're in, you're wondering like, 
how good are we at navigating hard things? That's one of the main reasons why we always say like, you really shouldn't even consider marriage mm-hmm. until you've gotten into some sort of kerfuffle <laughs> with each it's other. True. Because actually, word, no, I know. Thank you. Knowing how t- your partner chooses to navigate stress or tension or, or conflict in a relationship is a really big deal. And you want to start asking yourself the questions like, mm, yeah, when, when I am hurt, do I jump straight to criticism or contempt or do I actually have grace for my partner? When I do confront them, even in a healthy way, are, am I met with defensiveness and do I, do I tend to feel him or her retreat? Like these are just great questions. So there's a sliding scale here of where these four horsemen show up inside of conflict. And it is a great, uh, it's a great thing to become really self-aware about and to yeah. figure out like, what are my go-to behaviors when the stakes feel high? When emotions are high, when stress is high, when the stakes feel high, what are my go-to tactics? It's just a really good idea to become self-aware of your tendencies. Yeah, it's great. All right, y'all. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Like always, uh, if you leave us a comment, like, and share it, that is so helpful. Otherwise, have an awesome time this week. We will see you next week. Mm